We are Unseen Artists, and we are giving the stage to underrepresented voices. I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And today we are talking about the Tony-nominated original musical, Kimberly Akimbo. It is a story about a young girl who has a disease that makes her age very rapidly, and she is essentially dealing with that in a high school in New Jersey in 1999. It is based on the play written by David Lindsay Abair that came out in 2000, also titled Just Kimberly Akimbo. I did not realize when I saw it that it was a play before it was a musical. Um, I didn't know that either. Yep, but it is the same writer of the book for the play and the musical. So he just added music. Um, Okay. Yeah, so I thought that was very cool current day it is the musical the book was written by Lindsay Abair like I said the music is by Janine Tesori you may know Lindsay Abair from his works with Fuddy Mears Good People and Rabbit Hole I did not but those are things people know him for and then you may know Janine Tesori from Thoroughly Modern Millie, Carolina Change Shrek the Musical and Fun Home oh I didn't realize you did Shrek the Musical um David Lindsay Abair also worked on Shrek the Musical with her. He just wasn't the writer. Oh. So they already worked together before. And it opened on November 10th of 2022. I know. And fun fact, Wikipedia messed up their first announcement of it and said it was on my birthday, but then corrected themselves later on in the page. It started. I know. How exciting. So it started out at the Atlantic off Broadway with the exact same cast it moved to broadway to the booth theater and the cast is victoria clark who plays kimberly justin cooley who plays seth wiedis or stephen boyer who plays buddy ali mouncy who plays patty and bonnie milligan who plays deborah um the only person i knew from this cast before watching it was stephen boyer i'd seen him in some tv stuff and i'd heard of bonnie milligan but i haven't seen her in anything were you familiar with any of the cast members before diving in? Yeah, I saw Bonnie Milligan in, not saw, um, mm-hmm. I have the soundtrack for, uh, or the original cast recording for Kinky Boots. And oh. so um, Bonnie Milligan is on that. Interesting. Uh, but she looks, she looks familiar. So I know I must have seen her in stuff on TV too. That's what um, I thought when I saw it too. She did look very familiar. Yeah. I remember yeah. when they announced that she was in it. Um, but then I never ended up looking looking that looking further into it after that. Yeah, she seemed to be the name people knew when it came out. So I just yeah. Yeah. didn't know much about it. As I mentioned previously, it has been nominated for eight Tonys this year. So TBD, we will see what happens. Um most of the main cast is nominated for one of the Tonys. It's nominated for Best Original Musical. The play itself is about, it's about progeria, which is also known as Hutchinson-Guilford syndrome. Did you know anything about this particular disease before watching the show? No, I didn't even know it existed. So I thought in the spirit of education and inclusivity, I looked up a bit about it because Quite a fascinating disease that no one knows anything about. Like I said, it's called Brajaharia, aka Hutchinson-Guilford syndrome, because the two people that were the first to discover were Hutchinson and Guilford within like 20 years of each other. It is not a very common disease. It is, um, as of 2020, there's only 179 people who have been diagnosed with it. And that's across 53 countries and only 18 of those people were in the U.S., However, there are many scientists who expect there's at least another 150 people that have not been diagnosed with it, um, that have had it over the years. They are currently looking at different medical attempts. They have a drug called lobarin, I think is what it was, or lobifarin, that looks like it may slow down some of the symptoms, which is the best they've been able to do is slow the symptoms and extend the life for a couple more years which in this particular disease is quite a long time, being that the typical person with progeria uh, doesn't live past 13. Oh, the that's first, interesting. 
Yeah. Because even in the show, they say that the average is 16. So I wonder if that, if they changed yeah. that or if the data has, uh, has changed since uh, he started working on it. Well, when I looked at it initially, it's, it says that they, there are plenty of people that live to somewhere between 16 and 20. Um, but 20 is kind of the height of what they expect to be the end of it. And 13 is kind of the average. So it depends on which stage you're looking at to see where it kind of falls. Um, the first documented case was 1886. So that was like 150 years ago. And we still, it's basically one, one case a year we've seen. I'm sure it's been like multiples in different years, but so it is very rare. There are a couple people that are um, famous that have had this disease. Uh, Mickey Hayes is an actor. He was in I Am Not a Freak and The Aurora en- Encounter, which I had not heard of either, but they apparently were a bit more well-known. He did not live very long. I don't remember his exact age, but I think it was like late teens is what I saw. The oldest person on record to have this disease is a woman named Tiffany Wedekind, and she lived to be 44. Wow. Yeah. So that's the longest that we've had. it. Yeah. So that's just kind of a brief overview of this disease. It does obviously go much further. A lot of the symptoms they mentioned are the actual symptoms. So I'm not going to go into those. I mean, it's the aging. It's a lot of um, respiratory. Most people that die from this disease do so from either a heart attack or a cardiac arrest episode, as was exhibited in the play. But yeah, so it's not well known because I also did not realize it was a real disorder until I was doing research. That's interesting because I wonder what made him want to uh, write about that, like if he had experience with it or if it was just something that he like stumbled across and had an idea. I tried to look into it and I just didn't really see much about like what started the play. Yeah, Um, just interesting to think about. Yeah, it seems like he may have just had the idea based on something he had seen or heard. Um, But the original play uh, did start in Costa Mesa, California. Oh, it's in 2001. So it's 22 Where? years ago. It may have said, but I didn't know what it was. So I just put down the city. I used to um, live there. Oh, one of those. Do you know the theaters? If you named a couple, I might would recognize it. I, yeah, I don't know. Off the top of my head. I don't know. It's fine. I think it was like a, was curious. a very local theater. It didn't it didn't appear to be any type of like big theater that it was started in. But it did premiere off Broadway at the Manhattan Theater Club, which we were just at Tuesday night in 2003 and the original we were not cast at the Manhattan Theater Club we were at City we were. Center oh we were at New York City Center part of the Manhattan Theater Club group is that right yep okay I always, get that. I always get them mixed up with their venues but yeah so that premiered in 2003 so what did you know about this play specifically the Kimberly Kimbo the musical before going into it and what did you think about it after seeing it um well I didn't really know anything about it when I had first heard like I I remember hearing about it coming but I hadn't heard about anything like with it um then I remember I was reading in one of the playbills uh an article about um I think it was late last year maybe early this year about the connection between uh Victoria Clark and Justin Cooley and like their relationship um and how it's sort of grown with them two playing this this part together or I'm sorry these parts together and sort of the relationship that they have uh backstage um and the friendship that grew from there and so I knew that it had something to do with like just from reading that I knew it had something to do with like an older an older woman who was like but but was young you know that that kind of thing so but I didn't know you know all the details because you know there's been a ton of movies along those same guidelines sure. or like I guess it usually goes the opposite way like big where like he wants to be an adult so he becomes an adult but like I can't I kind of figured maybe it was something like that or something yeah, um I yeah I hope that too some kind of like time swappy thing uh but I didn't really know that much about it uh and then I knew some people who had worked on it and I kept just hearing really good things about it but I had not looked I don't know I sort of I tried 
not to look too much into some shows before I go see them because I like to be surprised or not surprised. Like, I don't, I don't care about spoilers. You want to go in fresh. Uh, you don't want to like, you don't want to yeah. be swayed one way or another. Mm-hmm. I kind of like not having expectations, but what's interesting yeah. about it is when it first started, um, when the show started and I was like, like what's happening? And the music is sort of like, it works really well for the, within the show and like keeping everything going along but it is one of those things where I was like I'm not really thinking like this would be one of those musicals where I'm gonna like listen to the soundtrack all the time and like that kind of thing although there are a couple of really really good songs that like really hold their own but it works really well in each like in each moment and I think it creates mm-hmm. uh the mood really really well but it's sort of interesting to um to kind of go into it and like not really know and be a little bit confused and and try to figure it out I like when I can get all of the details from the show rather than knowing it so that I it's like the editor and dramaturge like part of me where I'm like are they getting across what they want to get across? Or am I hearing yeah. something later where it has to be explained to me why things happened the way that they happened? Right. Um, that's that's why I like going in without knowing anything because I want to see what my first impression is. And then I can be like, did they hit it? Because if I didn't feel it the first time, I had to go read about it or had to like the minutes per se. And uh, then I feel like that it didn't work for them. So I was like, I, I want to know how it's going to go and if it's, if it's meant to be the way it happened. Well, and sometimes it's like, did I just miss something and I didn't get it, which is yeah. kind of how I felt about the minutes. <laughs> did I just not get it, what they were trying to say, or or did they not present whatever they were trying to present, you know, in the best way or the clearest way? So, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I didn't really know that much about it, except that I had heard that it was really good. I wasn't even sure that it was a musical because that boot, the Booth Theater sometimes does plays because it's it's so intimate of the Broadway yeah. theaters. I didn't know anything about it, obviously, going in. I'm usually pretty pretty fresh starting, especially with, like, new original works, even if it was based on a play, just we didn't know that. But it had been at the Atlantic, which I also didn't realize. And I'd heard only good things about it. I had no idea what the story was about, um, aside from the older woman and the younger kids. I knew that that was a part of it. But my first foray into it was, like, during previews, one of the guys who's a musician had come into the bar and so I knew it was musical <laughs> because he was a musician. He talked about being a musical. Um, but that's really the only reason I knew and the only thing I knew about it. But every person I came across that saw this show, they were like, you got to see this. When I went to see it, the guy who sat beside me, it was his fifth time seeing it. And like, wow. that show hasn't been open that long. I mean, it opened, opening day was November 2022. 20, like, and he said he's seen it five times because it's that good. And six months. I know. So like once a month, basically. And wow. you're looking at it and every person I talked to was like, it's getting Tony noms. It's going to happen. And like it was, and obviously it did. But I, I did want to mention, I forgot when you mentioned the opposite reaction of how usually like with big, the person ends up being younger than they are physically or, or whatever, the opposite of what happened in this show. Um, it's really interesting because with this disease, their mind doesn't, deteriorate necessarily with their body but it's also not lack like it's not lacking starting out they tend to all have higher iqs than a lot Mm. of other people they like there are people that who have made it into their 20s who've studied at like they studied ivy leagues they do really well on exams they're really committed and focused in school and it's like so they i thought i found that really interesting that even though they do have this wear and tear on their body and all this stuff that like their mind is still like super sharp. But yeah. So uh, what were your thoughts after seeing it? I really enjoyed it. I mean, it, it's a great show to sort of go in and you get, you know, the laughs and you're able to uh, get, get into it and, and, and bop along to the music and, you know, follow the story. And uh, it's very entertaining. It's interesting because uh, when I saw it, it was myself and one of my friends, my dad and her mom, and they went to high school together. So like we 
knew each other from childhood and so like so we sat together and like and they sat together and we're like watching and one of the things that uh marcy and i were saying to each other was like it's i I like that we're seeing it it's not representative of like today type teenagers it's very much like when we were teenagers or like obviously before that if it's set in 1999 like right it's very representative of the time and like um and so that was kind of nice especially now because I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we're seeing and it's all very like you know phones and digital and like all this stuff so it's kind of nice Mm -hmm. to see this sort of childhood without that like as this flashback of like for people in our age range of like what our childhood was kind of like and so that was that was really cool and it was just so uh we kept looking at each other and thinking like so much of it was like so relatable like those feelings that you have I couldn't get over like my favorite thing in the whole show was the the four kids Oh my where, gosh. like the guy likes the guy and the guy likes the girl and the girl likes the girl and the other girl likes the first guy and it's just like so like I mean you still see that forever and ever but it's just so sure. funny and then they, and then they hit it at the end where it's like gay straight gay straight or whatever right. and um and so like that was kind of cool because I feel like we're seeing one like a little bit of representation it's like that kind of stuff but also um it's just yeah so relatable like you're constantly chasing after somebody who is chasing after somebody else who's chasing after somebody else and um everybody's super awkward about it and all of that and so that was like uh really entertaining I think they did a really really good job of of writing that all in and and just making it like so relatable even now even uh you know in my 30s I'm like yeah so relatable (laughs) (laughs) so Yeah. yeah totally get that i i also thought they did a really good job with that and before i knew about the original play i was like yeah that's really wild they said it 99 like they did a great job of getting the time but knowing the original play came out in 2001 he was probably writing it in 98 99 so like it makes sense that that time was so well represented because sometimes you know you forget wasn't that age in that time no so And so you don't always see things done well sort of outside of that. You know, like making it actually believable of people of that time period and that age uh, being, you know, accurate. And so that was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really liked it as well. Um, I went by myself. I had, it took me on a me date to go see it and I just had the best time. It was a a longer show, but it didn't, it didn't feel like it. Um, Like you said, with the music, like it fit perfectly. And I, I I had the exact same thought. I was like, I'm not listening to this outside of the show. Probably it's not one that's going to like do anything for me. And so while I probably won't listen to it outside of the show, I loved it in the show. And I thought it was excellent, excellently done. And that's um, perfect. yeah. And like, I was so like enraptured the whole time. And it was really funny because so I sat by the guy who had been to six. This was his fifth time to see it. And I sat by this, these two women who were from out of town and they were um, they were louder than I'd like them to be. During the intermission, they like stood up and they were just like, oh, we were at something, I don't know what they saw. New York, New York, I think they'd seen the night before, which I still haven't seen. But they were like, it was so good. And the girls, like the, the, their two people were with them behind it. And they were like, we didn't really care for it. But when they came to this show, the two women who didn't care for New York, New York loved this. And the two women who liked New York, New York didn't like this show. And we got into this whole conversation where they like looked at me and they were like, well, first they looked at the guy beside me because I apparently it was not an accurate representation of theater. Um, I did let them know that I was indeed and didn't know what theater was because they didn't seem to think I did. It was thrilling. Um, but they asked him and they were like, do you like this show? What do you think? And he was like, this is my fifth time coming here. And she was like, oh, my God. And she went off on the whole thing. Um, she was one of those people. I said something. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. This is a great show. And she was like, you're young. You wouldn't understand. So then I let her know about <laughs> all of my knowledge of musical theater. Oh, good Lord. So, um, which I'm it, sure like, she appreciated my rant. You can't compare Kimberly Akimbo. I know you haven't seen New York, New York yet, but I have. Right. They're um, different shows, though. I know that. <laughs> they're not even like, but they're not even the same, like, type of show the same genre or yeah. like style of show so yeah. it's not like i mean i i sort of get it because you're like yeah especially if you're like traveling it sort of becomes this this thing where you're kind of 
you're seeing all of these shows in a short period of time. And so you end up kind of comparing them, or at least you expect them to sort of get better or something as you go along with the week, because I've had that where like my first uh, visit to New York did have season passes to all three theaters in her hometown in California. So she does very well in a theater, much better than I would. Which theaters? I don't know. I didn't ask. I didn't care. (laughs) I just was like, yeah, I go to shows work with a nonprofit and work with traditional music from original Broadway but it's fine it's fine and she just didn't want then she wanted to talk to me about her son it was a whole experience but that was that was my worst part of my of seeing Kimberly Akimbo was this woman beside me who was obnoxious because she very clearly did not enjoy the show and wanted me to agree that it was not good or to just completely disown whatever I said I Um, said people like that too yeah it was wild just let people like what they like (sighs) Right. yeah but yeah no <laughs> other other than that it was a uh i i thought it was really fantastic i thought it was one of the best shows i've seen on broadway in a while one of the best new shows and I mean, we've seen some really good shows but that one that wasn't sad i don't do well with sad shows we've seen a lot of sad shows lately and those were also very well done and impressive but for a show that i can just go and enjoy and not feel like i'm gonna cry every five minutes this was one of the tops for sure for me and I, I absolutely think it deserved every nomination it got. Well, it's definitely like funny and quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, what was nice, uh, my dad and I kind of talked about this, is it's like we're seeing so many things that are remakes of something else. Right. You know, based based on a book, based on a based on a movie, based on a whatever. Like, and 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 that's all fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that, but it's sort of like I haven't seen something original right. in such a long time, I feel like. Right. Um, and so that was one of the like big takeaways that I yep. felt just even at intermission was like, this is so like new and different uh, than other things that we're seeing right now. And so like what that was one of the things that really that I that I think was really good because even if you're like, what is this story or whatever, right. at least you're not like, well, I've seen this 5,000 times or whatever. Sure, yeah. Uh, and I found it interesting. Like, I th- I think it was an interesting story. And especially now that I know that the disease is real and it's not just like made up, you know, like Benjamin Button or whatever. Right, like, right. That is pretty cool too, because yeah. then we're actually, you know, we're touching on something that's real and still making something like new and original and yeah I don't know I think that it um I think that it did a really good job with what it is I agree I wish I would have known more about the disease going into the show so I could comment on their revelation or their like a presentation they did about the disease to know which parts were real and which parts weren't on my vague knowledge I did watch this what like a month ago so on my vague knowledge did seem pretty similar because they talked about a lot of the same proteins and stuff that are affected but i just don't remember their whole presentation to know i i would assume it was accurate based on what i heard uh yeah. or what i read today but yeah, yeah so that's a it would be interesting to hear from somebody who actually has it to feel or or somebody who knows somebody who's had it kind of thing right to know if it's is uh accurate. very hard to find yeah very hard to find but on that note this is going to be a very brief discussion based on how we would have this discussion moving forward. I want to talk about some of the challenges that can arise by having some of these like health issues. I don't want to get too far in because we're going to have multiple episodes talking about different disabilities, different like chronic illnesses and stuff, but maybe just from like a progeria or like a similar issues that come up just when you have a chronic illness or have health challenges in theater. Well, I don't like to think about something like that as challenges. I think that there's a problem that we have in this industry where um, everyone is like beaten down and expected to be at 100% all of the time and using their whole body. And like theater is so emotionally draining in a lot of ways for for the presentation that you're you're giving that it's sort of, uh, I don't think we give actors enough time to like recoup and I think that one of the main reasons why we don't see a ton of people with disabilities 
in theaters because the creative teams and the particularly the producers and the general management who are putting the money up and paying for things are not willing to make any changes to to how everything has been run and so you know so many people are trying to make it that they're like well if you're not willing to do it or if we can't do it for really cheap for you I'm sure we can find somebody else who is willing to do it you know, to go through all of this effort and time and and do everything um, with no breaks. And so that's sort of uh, the issue with theater and even film, but like Broadway in general, these are long rehearsal days. They go really quick. Everybody's expected to learn things very quickly and be really on top of it. And that's all fine. Whenever there needs to be some sort of accommodation, for people it's treated as this like really negative thing and so even now these diversity coaches and health consultants and things like that are all still pretty new intimacy coordinators all of these things to kind of help make sure everything is running smoothly and everybody is comfortable and everybody is you know doing what they need to do and so some you know some directors and some producers are really really good about making sure that that kind of stuff is taken care of um and that everybody is in a good place um and then some people don't care they want their money and eat instead of looking at their actors their cast members and even their crew as people they're looking at them as commodities yeah. being sold to, to make money back for them. And so that's sort of, I think there needs to be a big change in the industry because it shouldn't be, you know, I've seen this before about, there are quite a few plays about people with disabilities. Um, there's one I'm trying to remember. I was, uh, I haven't read the play, but I was reading a um, like a Facebook thread talking about it. And one of the things was there's an actor with some, a, a disease, or I'm sorry, there's a character with a disease where she can't walk. And so mm-hmm. part of the play is that she gets, creates a character within like a video game. And so then she's able to do all of these things that she can't do in life. And so the argument was that because there's this whole thing about her being able to do all of these things that she wouldn't be able to do with this disease, they couldn't possibly cast a person in that role who actually had that disease. And so it was an interesting back and forth, but it's one of those things where people who are able-bodied are constantly, you know, making assumptions about what people with disabilities can and can't do. And especially with disabilities, I mean, this as well, like we saw you know, you said we had somebody who lived to be 44 with this disease, you know, it varies so much person to person, just like anything. Mm -hmm. And so I wish that we didn't have such an ableist mindset as a, as a community, as a whole. Um, I agree. I've heard that same argument about the wheelchair and everything with uh, Nessa and Wicked. Because, you know, she stands at the end and everything, obviously. So, um, because it is completely impossible to ever consider the fact that somebody who regularly uses a wheelchair, that means that they cannot possibly ever stand ever. Like, it's just these really, really ableist and kind of shitty ideas that that we as able-bodied people particularly white able-bodied people have about what other people can't do instead of having conversations with people who have that disease or disability or you know whatever accommodation needs to be made instead of having conversations to learn it's like no Mm -hmm. I I just know that they can't do that and so I hate that like can't attitude and we are seeing things adjust a tiny bit like the tiniest bit as far as actors but it's one of the things that I um that I did some research on for my thesis about accessibility in theater and uh 
And so I asked, you know, in a Facebook group full of theater professionals um, on all sides. So it has, you know, actors and producers and casting directors and, and crew. And yeah, so I got a lot of like really interesting feedback, but there was uh, one of the comments that really, really stuck with me was, yeah, we're seeing if somebody really wants an actor who has, you know, a wheelchair, for example, who's like in a wheelchair, they'll, like we saw with uh, the Scottish play at the Longacre, they built a dressing room that was accessible on the stage because like on stage level because they didn't have one that was accessible and so they were willing to do that but what this person was saying is like they work as a costumer and like dresser you know and laundry and so they're like yeah if if all of the theaters like like all these Broadway theaters that are grandfathered out of ADA regulations, if there's all of these stairs that they can't go up and down, if they need some assistance to be able to like get things in and out of the washing machine because it's top load or like little things like that, they'll just, instead of making any minor adjustments to hire that person who needs these accommodations, they'll just hire someone else. And And it's like- like, These people- Sometimes these accommodations are so minor that it doesn't make sense why you wouldn't make the effort. Like, because they don't want to make any effort. And that's the really frustrating thing. It is like, you can't rebuild a theater, but you can put additions in that you need. And even if it's like a historical landmark, there's things you can like physically put like on stairs, like help people upstairs. There are like, you don't have to rebuild the elevator to like mess with any of those statuses or whatever they have. And I just... I agree. I don't understand it. And there's lots of things that can be done. They're just expensive mm-hmm. without like doing anything that drastically harms whatever the original structure or whatever it is that they're yeah. letting yeah. go. Yeah. I just, I feel like I agree. They've, and I mean, obviously we have ADA regulations and we have age bias, which comes in sometimes, and they've had to adjust for that because of the law like there's hiring and firing requirements based on age but they don't have those same kind of regulations sometimes with disabilities to the extent that they should they have and they even still don't follow the age stuff either like they'll ask you how old you are as as often as they can you don't have to tell them and they can't fault you for not telling them but they'll keep asking just to see if they can get you to tell them it's one of those things like or if you don't look a certain a certain age and that's the thing too is it's like most of the ages that they're looking for not to go on a side tangent about age but most of the eight the age that they're looking for as far as a look is not they never are looking for somebody who's the actual age they want you know, this Hollywood version of that age, which is always like done up and and touched up and younger and everybody, you know. That that is one thing about Kimberly Akimbo. The kids were pretty young that were in the show. Like they were pretty close to the age they were meant to be. It was four of their Broadway debut, I think. Three or four, I don't remember. And and yeah, we do see these accessibility things coming in some with newer productions. I've seen it a bit more like as an agent, I've started looking at a lot more of the back end of stuff and I've seen it more with film and TV that I am seeing these intimacy coordinators listed on everything. And we're seeing like people of color being brought in for like questions about things that revolve around people of color. Like it's, and there's these um, for diversity, for like different quality stuff. And it's like going as low as like even student films I'm seeing it on sometimes. So like it's happening and it's coming. It's coming very slowly. And I I do think it's coming a bit faster in the film and TV world because they do have a bit more flexibility probably on location and things they can use because they would just build it into the budget from the beginning. Whereas theaters, you know, sometimes, I guess, have a bit more to work with. Um, I think it's required in film now. It's not required in theater. Some places are doing stuff like that. Like on six, um, they had a diversity and culture consultant, and on parade, we have yeah, like a like a diversity person, and then uh, we also had um, like a rabbi come in and talk about. I was wondering about that. Yeah, uh, 
I mean, we have Jewish cast members anyway, yeah. but even even people with a with a Jewish background aren't always as, you know, knowledgeable or well-versed <laughs> like Christians uh, in their yeah. own, you know, st- and, and there's so much more um, in Judaism anyway, because there's a, yeah. the cultural component and the religious component and all of that. So that's, yeah, they had somebody come in and, and talk to everybody. Everyone it was invited, but it was mainly with, with a lot of the Jewish uh, cast members. And so that was really nice. Uh, so, so it depends, like if they're making it a priority, um, that was one of the things on parade too. Um, there's like a wellness consultant also. That's and great. None of the other shows that I have worked on have done that. A lot of them will do, um, they'll have like PT as an option between shows or like, you know, in the afternoon sometimes on the weekends. So people can go to physical therapy because these, you know, these eight show weeks can be especially in previews like with a new show they're rehearsing all day and then they're performing yeah. the preview performances at night it's it's a very rough schedule and so it gets to be a lot and it's very it's very hard on the body so is six the first production you've worked that's come from the west end first no okay a lot so of shows wondering... come from the west end well i know but i know if the ones like you had specifically worked on because I know they have better, but they have better rights over there, and so I'm wondering if that trickles. I I know for like music and rights and stuff, and just for general intellectual property rights. So I'm wondering if some of that, like leads bleeds over into theater, and maybe wellness coaches are a little more, or like wellness people are a little more um, active over there. They're a little more involved than they would be somewhere like America, where we don't have that same approach no we didn't have a wellness okay. coach on six we have one on parade oh okay i i misheard you i misheard you i see that's interesting then because i would think like i said i would think coming from the uk they would have more something something similar to that more than a play coming from the u.s just based yeah, on it, requirements so maybe it's the play itself it's the people involved that make the difference yep. It comes from a lot of times like what either what the creative team wants or what, you know, management is willing to do. And so that's sort of uh, a whole there's a whole bunch of people and, you know, name recognition has a lot to do with uh, how much you can get away with or how much pull you have to to do things that you want to do, you know. But it also like things that come from the West End or things that come from off Broadway or things that come from you know other places mm-hmm. come from chicago sure all of that it they sometimes bring casts and stuff but a lot of times it's really only the creative team that stays the same and even then like for six yeah toby and lucy are still the main you know lucy is still the director but there's you know an associate director and a resident director and you know all these people that are on site all the time yeah. so it sort of depends like if they do like for parade you know we have Mm -hmm. the original book writer and the original you know composer who came in to to do and and make updates and work on the creativity and you know they had a dramaturg uh who worked with uh al also as they made you know some adjustments for this revival you know 20 years 20 years later from the original and so so yeah so sometimes it just kind of varies. So they were like involved, but then there's the director and if it goes on tour, they'll probably have a, a tour like associate director. Like I don't yeah. think Michael Arden sure. is going to like go along with them, you know, but he'll right. probably be involved with the, uh, the initial rehearsals or something like that. You know, there's all of these, right. like there's all of these things. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, how busy they are and what other projects they're working on too. So like, that's a whole side tangent that I just went on about right. other things, yeah. but it's okay. You know. No, it's interesting. It's good to know. Um, and like I said, this is just scraping the surface for accessibility inclusion, the, how people are working with disabilities. We will absolutely talk more about that in the future, but while we were talking about a disease I had never heard of that people are affected by, I thought maybe we could, you know, have our little brief conversation about it. On that note, what do you think Kimberly Akimbo is doing for theater? Obviously, it's very new, so we're not seeing a lot of results or aftermath or five years down the road, but just seeing it in its six-month 
what effect do you think it's going to have on theater? Well, I think that um, what's really nice about it is you actually see like the kids and the adults like really interacting. And I feel like there's a lot of I mean, you do see that on Broadway a lot too but it sort of depends because when you have little kids you usually have you know like a like a child wrangler a tutor and they have tutoring so there's this sort of like separation that happens but like if the kids are like 16 or 17 they can usually be a lot closer with the adults than if they're like eight you know because it's a little bit easier and the communication is easier and all of that kind of stuff and so it, it kind of varies from show to show but it's kind of nice to see um, to see them interact. And again, like reading that, you know, little interview thing that I did about their friendship and the things that they've learned from each other and stuff. I thought that was really nice because I feel like there's this idea that if you've been doing stuff longer or like, like your experience too, like you're older. And so you obviously know more and all of this, all of this stuff when there's always, you know, especially in a creative field, there's always more you can learn, um, and ways that you can grow. And so, um, so like, that's really cool. Um, and it's sort of interesting to see kind of the, all these, these different elements that we're putting together for this show. Right. So there's like the, you know, family drama and there's this, you know, medical, you know, illness issue that she's dealing with. And then there's like the, you know, fitting in and making friends and, um, and that kind of stuff with, uh, school. And then there's the alcoholism with the dad. And so there's like all of these like little things that you're sort of touching on that all kind of come together very nicely. It didn't really feel like when you start listing out all of the things that it hits you're sort of like it's like, like yeah. laundry list yeah but it didn't feel like they were just like shoving things in if that makes sense because it felt like real life more it felt like you were with this person through their life yeah yeah so it was uh it was an interesting chaos i guess of like what your life would actually be like you know mm-hmm. like you as a person don't have just like a singular problem so like if i you know, break my foot or whatever, like, and that'll affect, you know, how I get around. That doesn't mean that like no other things happen in my life, you know? And so that's kind of the interesting, the way that they sort of weaved everything um, into it, but in a very different way than, than we've seen before. I think it's, it's very original. And what's, what's kind of nice about that is that um, I'm hoping that it will inspire maybe some more originality. And I don't think that there's a lack of original work being put together being written ideas coming I think there's a lack of backing for it because there's so much that producers want Mm -hmm. um that's like oh I need to make sure like look at all of these like why are we seeing so many movies turned into plays is it because uh because all of a sudden like that's all that people can come up with no like that's what that's what producers are like hey people liked this movie so like great let's let's throw it throw this adaptation up there and see i think it'll do well or whatever and we've you know we've seen mixed reviews there was you know almost almost famous didn't last very long but i know a few people who saw it and loved it um but Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. reviewers like didn't like it and so we're seeing you know a bunch more things coming and yeah it just kind of it's interesting i hope it'll i hope it will just inspire with how well that it's doing, I hope it will inspire them to take a chance on more things. I agree. And I I hope that it'll also inspire some of these plays that, you know, maybe they performed 20 years ago that didn't do anything, that didn't go anywhere to kind of be revamped and try again. I mean, I never made it to Broadway. It was off Broadway for a couple of years and that was it. And even I was reading, oh gosh, I can't remember where I was reading the review, but it was, um, I can't remember where it was, but I was reading one of the reviews and they were like, even watching it at the Atlantic, it didn't hit. And they were like, it didn't have like a huge reception. And they like, whoever had seen it, didn't really enjoy it. It was, it was one of the review sites. And then they said, but then seeing it at the booth, like they made some adjustments, even just between the Atlantic and the booth. And it was like game changer. Now it's nominated for eight Tonys. Like, and so, you know, just because maybe well, something doesn't hit the first time. I think that um, intimacy is something um, I've thought about and discussed uh, working on the play that goes wrong at New World Stages because um, that's what some of the actors had said about, you know, doing it on Broadway 
with all of those seats in this huge house. Yeah. Like, yeah that show is so big. And so you can see it sure. in a big space and it'll be fine. Um, but even the actors are saying it just feels so much more connected and more intimate in this, you know, smaller theater. And so right. I think that that, you know, can make a big difference too. And even just staging, like things like staging or pace, pace is a huge thing. And so if things yeah. aren't moving the way that they should, that is going to have an effect on how the audience is absolutely is going to take it. So, yeah. So I'd love to be able to come back and like, couple years and be like oh here's this other play I've never heard of that was in a theater in Chicago for a year and then they were just like not going anywhere and now it's a huge hit on Broadway I just I just well, think that's very cool that they were able to like I'd be and, it, and it did go from a straight play to a musical which also probably made a difference but well I'd be interested to know what like how different the book is for the musical mm -hmm. than the book for the original play um, it sounds very similar. Yes. Like, so I'd be interested to almost know. Almost identical. Much... Well, so then then they didn't really change much about it other than making it a musical. Making it a musical, um, yeah. So, but like that would be something to to know, like how revamped it is. But also yeah. it's one of those things like there are some shows that flop, and it's just it's not because the show isn't good, it's because of the time period or like when it happens to open what else is opening I think that um Kimberly Akimbo stands a good chance right now because it's getting so much it's getting so much notice mm -hmm. you know to everybody like people know about it um in this time when every theater has a new show everything right. is new right now and this is like the most you know you don't usually see this many shows closing this many shows opening all at the right. same time and so that's kind of the struggle is like, it's hard for people to see everything because there's so much that's opening and all of these things are on, you know, so many things are on a, uh, a shortened schedule, a limited yep. run. And so things are coming and going so quickly that it's like you blink and all of the marquees are, are different. And so that's yeah. sort of, I was looking at my play. I went, saw dancing tonight. I was like at the playbill. There's four shows in there. I've never heard of. That are already listed like i was like i one of them comes out in july and it was like i had no idea it's it is definitely moving very quickly very rapidly yep well yeah um, like i was working on room you know sydney brunstein's window is in is in that theater you know they have like a waiting list practically for all of these theaters and things are moving so quickly that like something doesn't work out okay cool they just like swap something else in yeah so it's it's interesting especially after this period like with bad cinderella where yeah the imperial was empty for so long for so but now long everything is just coming yeah. and yeah so um where do you think we could go with kimberly akimbo would you like if we were to do a, um, a revival in say 20 years, what do you think the next thing to do is? Or if there is something you would want to do differently? Well, I think that it would be interesting to see if it would be updated to like a more modern. So like for me, I, I liked that I could relate to it so well mm -hmm. because it was similar to an experience that I had. But, you yeah. know, in another 20 years, will or 30 years or whatever, will audiences still feel that way? You know, when we're kind of the last dying that that last not dying, but like that last <laughs> generation who yeah. had that experience of, you know, not not always playing video games and and uh you know, went and played outside and went to the roller rink and all of these things that I feel like, you know, everybody's on their cell phone and doing these things. Like things are just different now for kids. Sure. And so, so it'd be kind of interesting to see if it holds up as well for audiences in the future as it does now. And obviously like if it comes out in 20 years, like it's not like we're going to be dead. Sure. Like not of, not of old age anyway, but right. it's like, <laughs> So, yeah, but also, you know, people of, you know, maybe our You'd parents' You'd want to hit a new audience, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I, on on that same note, I wonder, like, would they do, like, say it comes out 2040, are they going to do a 2020 setting? Are they going to do a 2040? Because our generation is, like, 
ridiculously nostalgic. So like, it makes sense to keep it in, you know, 99, if you're looking to get people in their thirties, which is, you know, what it is. And then, so I wonder if it's going to be the same in 20 years that they would need to update it to today's time, as opposed to 20 years ago time. Um, well, I wonder how teenagers now relate to it now, you know? That's, yeah, that's a great question. Because just so much, so much has changed. Yeah. In yeah. just childhood um, and sort of how people experience it uh, in this, in the last 20 years. So, well, before we close out, I did want to read a couple of reviews for you that I pulled from different publications. First one is from the New York Times. It's, it's seems like it's going to be a long segment. It's not, don't worry. It's the first one's from the New York Times. And it said, being a former good kid and like Seth, an aficionado of the puzzleistic arts, I begin to see the character in the show in anagrammatic terms. As the past and the present inter- interpenetrate in Clark's performance, you may feel, as I did, the themes of Kimberly Akimbo recombining to achieve an even sharper focus. It's not about a disease at all, unless it's the one we all have. We grow up too slowly and then suddenly too fast. We are gone, but let's hope the show isn't before we know it. And uh, that was Jesse Green was a critic that wrote that. I thought that was very well put. I was like, oh, this is, I mean, not surprisingly thoughtful. It's the New York Times, whatever. But like that one really resonated with me. I was like, you know, that's right. Like it is technically about this disease, but it is about growing up. And because the teenagers in the show are growing up too and figuring things out. So I thought that one was really fun. And also the New York (laughs) Times um, made an anagram because they said sublime cast was an anagram for best musical which i thought was very very (laughs) fine (laughs) yeah and this was from like a few months back so it was before they were even nominated i don't see the date on here because i didn't take it from the top oh november 11th 22 so it was like the day after it came out this was the review from new york times um so that was cute and on that note do you have any final thoughts before we close out no i just think i think it'll be interesting to see sort of how it does with the Tonys. I mean, I don't always agree with who, with who gets what in that anyway, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it does. And then it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward because I think yeah. it's it's definitely I think it's definitely a show that uh, like high schools could do. Um, I think yeah. it could do well in regional theaters uh, if you could get um, or like even community theaters if you could get the teenagers. So, yeah, it. I think it could. I think a lot of places could be interested in doing it because it, it is entertaining. It definitely has staying power, I think, for sure. We'll see. Yeah, I agree. Well, that is the end of our episode of Kimberly Akimbo, but not the end of our love. And if you want to reach out to us and get in touch, you can find us on all social media platforms at unseenartist.org. You can email us info at unseenartists.org. And we do have a Patreon and we are currently building content. It'll come soon. If you have suggestions, if you have ideas, there are things you like and don't like, let us know. We're open. We're, as you see with this episode and with all the others, we are constantly adjusting and constantly trying new things talking about different segments, see what, you know, kind of sticks and what doesn't, what works and what doesn't. So we definitely want to hear from you all. And on that note, I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.